Welcome to Double Happiness Multiplied with Sally Barker, the complete guide to enjoying your multiple pregnancy and building a happy, healthy family life. Welcome to the final episode of Season 1 of Double Happiness Multiplied. I'm Sally Barker. Coming up on this episode, we discuss the different avenues people take to address their grief when things don't go the way they hoped during their multiple pregnancies. Alexa Bigwarf tells us how she turned to advocacy to help her heal following the passing of one of her twin daughters just two days after her birth. Scott Beattie gives us a dad's perspective of the emotional struggle and turmoil he experienced when he was told one of his twins' hearts had stopped beating just after 20 weeks gestation. And psychologist Dr Greta Little shares some advice on recognising when it's time you need to get some professional help to deal with your emotions. We've spoken about the joys and the sorrows of multiple pregnancies throughout season one of this podcast, and it's clear each and every person who's been touched by multiples find their own way to face their realities. Whether it's coming to terms with carrying more than one, two or three babies, or finding out that you won't be taking one or both of your twins home. After Alexa Bigwolf's twin girls were born, she was certain the medical system would fix her daughter, who was extremely affected by twin-to-twin transfusion syndrome. Sadly, Catherine passed away just two days after she was born. Her twin sister, Karis, had a long journey in the NICU, which saw Alexa turn to advocacy to come to terms with the loss. So in a nutshell, I started blogging both about our, our my grief and about twin-to-twin transfusion syndrome. And I started interviewing other parents and talking with them about their stories. And what I found was that in so many situations were similar to mine. Their doctors were either nonchalant about it, never mentioned it, didn't give them all the information or just terrible situations. And the amount of babies born preterm, even if both babies survive, so many babies are born between 26 and 32 weeks because because of twin-to-twin transfusion syndrome. So then they have all the issues that come along with being preterm. And I really wanted to make some noise about it. So I started doing my research and I came to find out that in the particular year that I was looking at the research, the studies showed that more babies died annually from twin-to-twin transfusion syndrome than SIDS, but we never hear about it. And that's because, you know, people aren't looking at it from the perspective, they're only looking at it from identical twins are in a small percentage of the population. And and then it's a, like a 20% chance. So a one in five chance that your babies will have it. And that's diagnosed. I know a lot of people who deliver identical twins and they find that one is significantly larger than the other, but they never were diagnosed with it. So who knows what the real numbers actually are. And then also babies that are pass away prior to 20 weeks don't even get counted. And I wanted to make sure that we couldn't change our story, but potentially if someone else got the information in time, then they could change theirs. And I really became an advocate for mothers because I'm a very passive person. I assume that doctors know what they're doing and that they're going to make the best decisions for me. And I was so wrong with that. And most, maybe they will, maybe, you know, there are some good doctors out there. There are lots of good doctors out there, but they're busy. They have a lot of patients, patients as in people not um, calm (laughs) waiting, but um, you know, there's a lot going on. So moms and dads really have to be their own advocates and their own source of information. It's funny because I never liked doing stuff like this. I never liked being the negative person that scared people, but I have come to the point where now 
if I learn that someone is pregnant with identical twins, I reach out to them and say, whether they know me or not, and I say, listen, I don't want to scare you, but I'd rather you be scared than you go through a situation like I did. And I tell them about TTTS, and I tell them where the best resources for information are, and I tell them where to find the questions to ask their doctor. And I say, if your doctor is unwilling or can't give you answers to these, I beg you to go find another doctor immediately or to, you know, to get in with a high risk doctor. And so it's worth it to me for somebody to be angry at me and for people. And I've had people yell at me before. I have had, I have had a woman who was not pregnant with twins. She was defending someone with twins. I was participating in a forum and somebody said they were pregnant with identical twins. And I posted about the information and she went off on me about how it was not my place to scare this woman and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, Listen, lady, you can be mad at me all you want, but if I just gave her some information that saves her baby's lives, your anger don't mean a thing to me. You know? <laughs> so, so it's I'd much rather terrify someone. I'd much rather the women, if there's pregnant women with identical twins listening to this podcast, I'd much rather you be terrified right now, but educated and aware and not ignorant so that you can find the resources and do the research and you know, the good news is that there are procedures, there are ways that you can help the situation. Unfortunately, in our situation, by the time they were diagnosed, they were so far along that it makes it more difficult to do things to help them. And that's why I'm so angry that the 16 week was missed because they would have, by the stage that we were at the 20 week ultrasound, pro I believe there would have been an indication at 16 weeks. And I think our whole situation would have been different if we had started de dealing with it and, and, and going forward then. And my husband gets on me a lot for saying that he's like, you can't live in the ifs. This is what our life is. And, and it's true. I mean, who knows what could have happened? We could have had an earlier amnio. It could have caused me to go into preterm labor. We could have lost both babies. If we'd had the surgery, we could have lost both babies or Karis could have died instead of Catherine or, you know, there's endless scenarios, who knows, but we wouldn't have known that at the time. And at least we would have had the opportunity to pursue some of those options, you know? Scott Beatty was also forced to face a situation he never imagined would happen when his excitement at expecting twins turned to disbelief when one of the boys' hearts stopped beating just after 20 weeks gestation. He says if it wasn't for his family travelling from overseas to help out, he wouldn't have coped as well emotionally as he did and even at times he didn't cope very well. You know, it was going very well up to 15 weeks when we had uh, scans they were all looking very positive obstetrician was seeing everything that she wanted to see but when we went for our 18 week scan i think we were already at stage 3 twin to twin transfusion syndrome which is essentially one one twin is getting starved because it's getting no fluids through to it and the other twin is sort of getting swamped with too much so you know, heart failure and liver shutting down and things like that were already happening then. So that was quite a shock. You know, we had turned up to that scan expecting another good one. And we, we hadn't been aware of twin to twin transfusion risk. And then it moved very quickly with Joanne having surgery the next day. A week later, it looked like it had gone well. So the both babies had corrected in terms of liver size, etc. And the allocation of fluid was as they wanted to see it. But unfortunately, when we went for the scan two weeks after the surgery, one of the twins had passed away. And I suppose, you know, that's obviously... A confusing situation because you are you do suffer grief 
but you have never actually met your babies. So it's it's quite an abnormal situation. Why do I feel emotions for someone I've never met? So there's, you've got to sort of work through making sense of your grief. But then, you know, you are mid or start of a journey, really. So you've got to keep going. And Joanne went on to immediate semi-bed rest to try and give the second twin the best chance. And there's the worry about that twin surviving. There's also the the fact that Joanne was carrying our lost twin. So that twin has to stay there. There's no alternative. So I think that is psychologically very difficult. So when I'll just speak from my side, but when we, when we went for scans after that, you know, I didn't look at the screen. I just listened to hear that everything was fine with the surviving twin. I didn't want to look at the screen and see the twin we had lost. And then you are in discussions regularly with your doctors around the prematurity risk. So I think it was at about 23, 24 weeks, our obstetrician was saying, you know, prepare yourself for a pre-30 week gestation birth. And then it was actually a leakage of amniotic fluid following the surgery that we believe led to birth at 27 and 3. There's this relief, actually, that you are not going for weekly scans to see if the baby is still alive. You know, you've had the birth, there is a sense of relief, but it's just so early. And the the risk factors and the journey, you just have absolutely no idea about. So, you know, what is what is the outcome going to be long term for this baby? You, you know, you're immediately thrown into that um, and not you have no background or knowledge of of what it could look like. So you do have to go through a process of talking to as many doctors as possible to try and understand what the risks are, etc. And, you know, added to that, the birth for Joanne, she was on her own. It happened very quickly. There was no doctors there. Essentially, she caught the baby. I, I wasn't at the hospital. I'd just gone home for the evening. And I got a call, you know, it's, it's happened, come in. And I came in and Joanne was, you know, clearly in shock it's quite confronting what a 27-week gestation baby looks like. So even if you've seen pictures, you can't imagine how small they actually are. So you've got that, this doesn't look like a baby issue, and yet you, you try and bond with the baby. It's a very long journey. So we were 13 weeks, and you know you do have to go back to work. Likely one of you do, does have to. You you may have siblings at home, which is a challenge of, you know, our our elder son was saying, well, where's mummy gone? Why has she dis- disappeared? Because she would, for three months, she was out of the house eight hours a day. You know, he was only two years old at the time, but they can pick up the emotional strain that you're undergoing and it has an impact on them. So you have to sort of put on a face and, and make sure they can get some time with you and you, you make it a more sort of brighter environment than you're actually feeling like being in. Psychologist Dr Greta Little says there are some clear signs to look out for that indicate you probably need to get some help dealing with your emotions. There's very good research that shows depression and anxiety in mothers both antenatally and postnatally impacts on infants' development across all domains, so cognitive development, emotional development physical development. So mum's mental health, it's really important for her, it's also really important for the children. We don't have any good data on dad's mental health. We know their levels of stress, 
go up significantly for multiple dads. But they're so much more engaged usually in the process and in the care of the infants that I think it's fair to assume that mental health becomes a family system issue. So if dad's not travelling well, that's going to impact for mum and for the children. So it's really important that everyone in the family is supported to get enough sleep and in their general mental health. So exercise, eating well, being able to engage in pleasurable activities that don't involve parenting. And that's important for everyone. I think feeling down for a period of two weeks with no pleasurable feelings is a warning sign. Feeling very anxious or worried, not getting good quality sleep, they would be the main warning signs. Feeling stressed all the time, feeling like you're not coping, having a, a sense that something bad's going to happen, um, a feeling of dread. There might be feelings of panic, um, you know, your heart racing, finding it hard to breathe. Abdominal breathing is a really good way to calm yourself down. The easiest way to do that is to concentrate. Don't think about the in-breath, but just do the longest, slowest out-breath you can do and then the next breath in will be deeper. If you do three of those, and if you just throughout your day stop and take three deep breaths, say you do it at breakfast, lunch and dinner, it just reminds you what a deep breath feels like and then you can sort of catch yourself during the day if your breathing's getting a little bit too shallow. There's a really good app called Mind the Bump which has got mindfulness meditations for mums on it and there's no reason dads can't do them too. So mindfulness is just taking a little bit of time to bring yourself into the present moment and there's various different ways that you can do that and it's very easy to do even with babies and everything else that you have to do. And once you bring yourself back into that present moment, sort of if we're anxious, our mind tends to be in the future imagining bad things that can happen. And if we're depressed, we tend to be in the past thinking about things that are sad or regretful. So if we can bring our mind back into the present moment, it gives us a break from some of those more negative thoughts. Thank you for listening to Season 1 of Double Happiness Multiplied. I really hope you've enjoyed listening and you've found the information invaluable. On Season 2, we're talking about taking your babies home and what to expect in their first year. I hope you can join me then. Until next time, I wish you Double Happiness Multiplied. The only purpose of this podcast is to educate and inform and should not be used to diagnose any medical condition. It's no substitute for professional care by a doctor or other qualified medical professional. This podcast is provided on the understanding that it doesn't constitute medical or other professional advice or services. Instead, I encourage you to discuss your options with a healthcare provider who specialises in multiple births. Guests who speak on this podcast express their own opinions, experience and conclusions. Thank you for listening to Double Happiness Multiplied, the complete guide to enjoying your multiple pregnancy and building a happy and healthy family life. Remember to head over to doublehappinessmultiplied.com to get access to more great resources.